Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Will the Bucks trade future draft picks to help this year's team? And what should the NHL do once they resume their season? And are the Astros the happiest team in Major League Baseball that their season at least got delayed? We've got your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Uh, some really good questions uh, at the end of yesterday's podcast. We didn't get able to get to all of them, Steve, so uh, let's let's continue. Yeah, and there won't be any e-learning on this either as, as our kids are going through <laughs> all these questions. Oh, oh man. Um, can I be honest with you? Like, I don't know that this is our future, but if it is, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I can just imagine, like, our parents probably, you know, they went through a lot of changes during their days, right, from cell phones to the Internet. I mean, just think about what, you know, air travel was different, all that stuff. But, man, if, if we ever get to a society where we're all homeschooling children, it's not going to be good. I, I saw they, some, they are not going to graduate. saw some memes uh, sitting there saying, you know, a lot of parents are going to really find out it wasn't the teacher's fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, th- I think we're going to have I think we're going to have a lot of uh, uh, technical schools that they're going to be going to when uh, when their homeschooling <laughs> is done, because no one's going to college. No one's no one's path. It's hard. And if you have two parents at work, it's 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 sort of doubly difficult. Like somebody asked me, I think it was Matt the other day was asking, you know, sort of what do you do? Um, he has a three year old. That, that's really tough. You just it's triage, right? It's sort of like, okay, who has the hardest day today? Okay, when's your call? Well, my call is okay. Mm-hmm. Then when, when's your call? Well, now I really got to get on a call. And so you just got to, if you're married now, if you're not and you're a single parent, well, what do you harder. do, right? That's you, even harder. That's even worse because you you you, you got to play. You know, you can't. I mean, I guess depending on who you work for, maybe they'll tolerate the mute button once in a while. You know, uh, that you got to hit, but I. I don't know. I mean, how? What's it like in your house? Are they coming up with the toys and say, "Let's play ball, Dad"? Why can't? Why are you chasing us away when you're home? You usually play with us. Yeah, well, you know, I've got what, a first grader and then a, a before schooling. So, you know, the youngest yeah. one, you're just trying to keep distracted. You know, he's yeah. four, and, and you know, he he does pretty well on his own. But then yeah. he wants to keep coming up to his older brother to show him something. This, and it's like, no, no, he's doing his he's doing his homework now. And then the oldest <laughs> yeah. is, you know, after five minutes, like, can I take a break? <laughs> like, no you've been doing this for five minutes we're not taking a break right. yet <laughs> i got this conversation with my daughters is like do you do, you don't act this way at school i know you don't i, I do go to parent teacher conferences yeah. you don't ask that you don't act this way at school but but you they know? also don't have teachers that are distracted like we are because you know my That's wife's true. on a call and i'm sitting on the computer work doing some work while i'm trying to help him do his school work and so he knows right. you're distracted so then he thinks he can get away with things and yeah and there's a lot of glitches i mean there's you know how do you do the assignment? Yep. Get send it back, print it out, send it back to the teacher. Um, you know, you just light up. Well, that's been the hardest and part too. And, and and I think the older kids and and I, so I have a first grader, but I think a lot of the older kids are doing more Zoom classrooms where the teachers actually kind of hosting a webinar and teaching. 
they're doing a couple. They okay. do a couple a yeah. week. It's not. I mean, it's yeah. more about if you have any questions, let's okay. let's answer them now. But I think like when you get thing. the high schools and stuff, they're actually doing teaching. Oh yeah, like that. yeah, so, probably. But you know, my kids in first grade, so you do the check in a couple times a week. But so, but so there's there's all these different apps. So you go through the one app to get to. There must be twenty apps on this page, and for this mm-hmm. assignment, you go to this one, and this one, you go to this one, and this one, you go to this one. And then this one, you go, and you're, and you're sitting there going, okay, I'm, it's time to do science. Where do I find science again? Where, where do I find his math? Because they're all in different apps. And, and granted, you know, they kind of rush to get all this set up, and, and maybe they do some of this in the classroom. But for us that are now all thrust into it, it's kind of like, whoa, it's, it's just information overload. I'll tell you the other thing that I always end up with this comment, too, is that I don't get fourth grade algebra sometimes, like I, <laughs> or fifth grade algebra, like it. I wasn't good at algebra to begin with. And so I'll get frustrated because they teach them a certain way and it wasn't the way I was taught. Yeah. And at some point, I'll just get frustrated and I'll go, you know, I got my diploma. I went through 16 years of school. Okay. I don't have to prove anything here. <laughs> this is time for you to figure it out. Like, that's my, that's my default answer is like, I already, this is not important to me. I passed fifth grade yeah. and sixth grade. Okay. Nobody helped me. <laughs> well, that's the other meme I've, I've seen is, you know, all these Common Core math students are going to be learning Carry the One. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I wonder if there's remedial homeschooling. Can you, can you bring in somebody that's not really their parent and try to teach them? I don't know. Well, it's, but you uh, have to social distance. That's the problem. I guess you'd have to do it well, over yeah. FaceTime or something. I mean. That is the problem. Yeah. The communication is lost. Although. It's funny because my kids are um, they're they're wizards, right? They they don't know anything but electronics. Like you can mm-hmm. hand them a box, and they would figure out what they're supposed to do with it. You know, long before they're not afraid of anything. Um, and yet somehow, when it comes to homework, <laughs> they they forget how the internet. It's they're looking at it like now now how am I like like what am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to push this button? I'm like, are you kidding me? You're like Bill Gates a minute ago, right? I mean, it's like when it comes to when it comes to TikTok, right? We we we're like we're we're creating you know Hollywood style videos, and now all of a sudden, when you just have to download your math homework, it's a problem. Like it's it's like NASA. It's like trying to get Apollo thirteen back from the moon. Like what what happened to the girl that was so confident that she she just ripped through the you know, rip through the internet, but it's, it's she, so she knows you're no better than her. So, you know, she's got a shot. Well, at she knows exactly. <laughs> so that's her way. Right. It's like, yeah, I don't, I just can't get this. So I think I'm going to have to not do it. You know, it's like, all right, well, uh, go ahead and, and tap back into NASA then or whatever you were doing before we were interrupted by school, you know, go ahead and, and, uh, you know, do something there. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> That's right. We all got the problem. We all got the same problems. These are, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know what, for, for better or worse, we're going to find out if we like each other. And uh, I don't know, like, what, uh, I mean, we're getting along. <laughs> but I can, I can imagine that it's really difficult in well, some families that don't spend said, that much time you know, together. In nine months from now, the birth rate and the divorce rate are going to be extremely high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and some and, families uh, will have both. Well, and you you would hope that the ones that have the birth rate that goes up that they are not the ones also yeah, well. getting divorced. But that aside, um, you know, I think uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting. And um, but but and here's the gift, right? That to everyone is that we're so busy in our lives, and it's not that we've gotten less busy necessarily uh, in some instances. But I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, you realize for better or worse, and let's hope it's for better, we will never be with our kids 
or each mm-hmm. other for that matter, in our in our married lives as they're being raised more than this right now. Like this, you'll look back at this because believe me, when it's over and we go back to normal life, whatever that was or whatever it looks like in the future, there it's going to be all about their friends. It's going to be all about doing stuff. It's going to be all, it's not, believe me, it won't be about sitting home. They will have had enough <laughs> of home. They, we may have to put a tent in the backyard. They may not even want to sleep here anymore. But the bottom line is, I said, I said, you know, enjoy it because this is it. We, we would because normally we, you know, your schedules are I'm working, she's working. Then they have dance and then I might see them some nights for a half hour or 25 minutes. And then they're up and they're leaving, going to school. And then I go to work and, you know, kind of goes that way till the weekends. And um, during the season, I'm, I'm busy. So um, it's, it's really kind of nice. I hate to say it. It's kind of nice being home and having the kids. But then, then there, are those, there are those moments, right? Yes, there are. There, there are in every family. Yeah, for sure. So we feel your pain out there, Sports Day Tampa Bay listeners. We, uh, we, we certainly do. All right, we'll, All get, right, to, we we'll get some questions. questions. Yeah, so Brian mm-hmm. asks, and he says, this is meant as a lighthearted comment, and I do understand the gravity of the situation. But with landing Tom Brady during a global pandemic and not being able to have any of the regular introductions and OTAs, does that still qualify as the Bucks not being able to have nice things? I think it does. Um, I think it does because I feel a little like it feels to me, it feels a little like getting that email from the, the Sultan of Brunei that has uh, needs you to, uh, to accept his $10 million that he can't otherwise get to the United States. And he's emailed you. And all you have to do is ship him your credit card or routing number or something like that. And he'll deposit it in your account. Um, it feels a little like that. It's like, did, 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 did they get them? <laughs> you know, like if you're a Bucks fan, you really look where they've all been down this road before, just not this far down the road. Right. Like where they actually signed a contract and Tom Brady is, is technically a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He really did sign his name to a contract and he really does intend to play here. But as, as Bucks fans would be just a little skeptical that here comes the 100 yard, 100 year pandemic. And it stands the reason, right, that the sign of the apocalypse should have been Tom Brady signing with the Bucks. We should have known that. Um, but it actually occurred after the coronavirus. So I, I think that, yes, uh, you probably should wait to, uh, uh, to pop the bottles of champagne or whatever it is you do. For me, it won't be real until I see him run out of the tunnel in a regular season game wearing Bucks gear and ready to play. Because, you know, you still got to navigate – the uh, the preseason, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Kathy asks, I'm becoming more and more worried that we won't have a 2020 football season. Are the Bucks preparing for that possibility? And what would it mean for the Tampa Super Bowl? Um, I even hate to even address this question for fear that it might be one that we'll be dealing with. Um, you know how they say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. We shouldn't answer this question, but here it goes. I, I don't know that worry. I mean, you can't prepare for something that doesn't happen, right? They're preparing as if they're going to play. Um, to prepare not to play would be not preparing, essentially, because why then would you prepare for something that's not going to happen? So um, nobody is prepared for there not to be a 2020 football season if you're a sports fan at all. Nobody, okay? No fan, no player, no front office member, uh, certainly no league. No no one wants to see it wiped out. And the, the one advantage they might have is that 
you know, we were we were at the start of opening day for baseball um, when the social distancing began. Hockey was getting ready to start its its postseason Stanley Cup playoffs, and and basketball same thing. They were they were um, very close to the playoffs. Of course, the Final Four got uh, NCAA championships got canceled. Um, so, you know, football doesn't really start uh, until September, <clears throat> the regular season, and you you could even push that back a bit. But yeah, I I think. I think if you're in the game, you're worried. I, I just, I'm not sure how you prepare for something not happening. And if it doesn't happen, obviously, there won't be a Super Bowl uh, in Tampa. And the one next, the reason Tampa has the Super Bowl, and this, there might be some impact on on this stadium anyway, but is because that the stadium in Los Angeles uh, for the the Rams and and now the Chargers was not going to be completed and in use for a year before that Super Bowl came there, and it's scheduled to be in Los Angeles in 20 that after the 2021 season. So I don't see them saying, yeah, you know what, forget it. LA. Cause they plan these things three, four years in advance. And for that reason, I think it would be much like a lot of things that Tampa Bay has suffered. And it would be the biggest thing obviously is that they would, they would essentially, you know, not get it back for a number of years until whenever the next one is, is up for bids and it's probably a minimum four or five years. So it'd be, it would be tragic. Yeah, really Los Angeles is next. Then you get Glendale in 2023. You've got New Orleans in 2024. All right, so the earliest would be 2025. And I'm sure they would be a prime candidate if they lost it through no fault of their own. It's just it's devastating. It is completely devastating. And um, I will say that whenever, if they do have a season abbreviated, otherwise pushback, that, that, that the Super Bowl will be here sometime in 2021, for the 2020 season, but beyond that, no, uh, it, they, they would lose it until, like you just said, until the next one's available. All right, Tommy asks, will more players get their props or respect that they deserved with Tom Brady on the team? Obviously, if they win, i.e. Levante David. Well, winning helps, right? Winning is a great deodorant, as John Madden says, but in, in, in essence i think what you're saying is that there's a lot of good players like levante mike evans to some degree chris godwin for sure um that don't have the attention nationally because why they're not on national tv right when their games are played here and they do those you know that that little map that they do on the network sometimes you'll see about two percent of the nation is getting their games um many times because they don't have national appeal they're not they're not a team that's relevant. They're not a team that's been to the playoffs. Um, you know, they'll have their you know mandatory. It seems Thursday night football game or Saturday afternoon um, after college football is over, you'll get one one national TV game, but that's through no you know accomplishment of their own. So I I think at minimum when the schedule comes out, now they're saying it might be pushed back to May. Uh, that when the schedule comes out, I think you'll see both New Orleans games will be big games, probably on national TV. Um, maybe, you know, whether it's Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. I, I would think that the Kansas City game here against uh, Patrick Mahomes is a national TV game. And I would think that uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming here against Tom Brady would be a national TV game. After that, it's anyone's guess, but my my guess is they'll have a minimum of four, maybe upwards of five games that are are pretty prominent uh, going throughout the country. Um, and again, that you know, 
one of those could be like the you know the the second game of the doubleheader on Fox. Um, but for the most part, if you're talking Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, yeah, they're going to have multiple of those those three big events, and um, and you know you could add could add the Las Vegas Raiders in there as well. So it's uh, they're going to be relevant whether they win or not. There's going to be people who have a chance to see Mike Evans and Levante, and uh, you know don't forget about Devin White who was you know. Uh, player of the month, uh, the final rookie of the month, the final two months. So, uh, a lot of guys are going to get their exposure, and exposure is good if you play well. It's really bad when you don't. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do have guys, to correct you on guys, one thing. It, it, I know you get the Los Angeles Chargers wrong and say San Diego a lot, I, but but you said the Los Angeles yeah. Raiders. That's been many years ago that they were there. Oh, did I go Los Angeles <laughs> with them? Instead of well, Vegas, I got the loss. No, wait, hold yeah. on, that's only half. That's only half wrong because it's the Las Vegas Raiders. So I just missed the Vegas part. Yeah, well, yeah. Got the lost part. I'm lost. Yeah, well. I'll tell you what, man. Black hole's going wherever we go. That's that's the name of that game. All right, Carl asked, since the Bucks are in win-now mode, can you see them trading some of next year's or 2023 picks and acquiring picks for this year's first three rounds? Need offensive line, running back, quarterback, and safety. Only do it if you see someone you really want or if it fills an immediate need. Absolutely. Um, I don't think there's any question. Look, whether you whether you think that Brady's going to play one, two, or three years, it's a very small window um, in the life of a franchise, and so you need to be all in. The way the way the New Orleans Saints have been all in in free agency, they keep pushing back salary cap money like uh, like it's going out of style. So. I I definitely think that you know you do have to address the offensive line. You, you need a three down running back, but if if say there were a safety or uh, another position, um, you know whatever it was that you deemed was was good value, if you can help your football team for this year and beyond, and sacrifice some of the late the some of the third day picks um, or even second day picks, I mean I. You know, not all those guys make your football team. And so um, I would rather use a little draft capital and, and get the guy that I know is going to help me win. And I'm, I'm that sure of how he's going to fit into my offense or my defense, and, and I know exactly um, what to expect in terms of his production as a rookie and beyond. I'd rather take the guy I'm sure of uh, than just have a volume of players and say, well, we got one in each round, and we hope we hope the majority of them, you know, fill a need. Um, I'm all about the player, not the pick. You know, if, if you see a guy and he's in your range and you can do it, um, you can spend a little draft capital. And because enough of these guys that they may make your football team, that doesn't mean you have a good one. You know, you, you make, but really, if you have a good football team, you shouldn't have too many fifth and sixth and seventh round guys make it anyway, right? I mean, I know Tom Brady was a sixth round pick, but my point is, if you're that good, if you're on that, yeah, if you're they, on the, they cusp, weren't a good team back then. Right, but yeah, exactly. And if but if you're on the cusp, then those guys really don't matter. They shouldn't be good enough to make your team anyway. So I'm all about it. Uh, I'm like, hey, uh, get as many, get as many elite players as you can because you're going to need three or four, or you're going to need four, maybe five on offense and four, maybe five on defense. I'm talking about studs, and hopefully there's a gold jacket in there or two. Um, you know, those gold jacket guys. So yeah. I'm all about it. Go get go get your guy and fill a need and, and get the best player you can find. All right, Ellis asked, 
Are the Bucks more likely to draft a tackle or best player available with their pick at 14? Well, this reminds me of the question, are you taking Tiger Woods of the field every Sunday, right? It was like, Tiger Woods of the field, what do you got? who you got? And if you said the field, you're probably going to win, except when he was 20 and then you were going to lose. I, I really think that um, – I think they're likely to draft a, t- a tackle if, if you if you held my hand to the fire. Now they will, and this is the big lie in the NFL draft. Really, when it comes down to it, is that everybody says when they make their first round pick, ah, fell right. He was unbelievable. He, he was the next guy on our board. You could have the thirty second pick, and they will convince you that the thirty one players came off the board just exactly as they knew it would, right? In some fashion, like, yep, there he was at thirty two. That was the guy we had, and they all say it, and none of them are telling the truth. What they mean is he was the next guy at the position of our biggest need, <laughs> usually. Now, it, not always, okay? Sometimes sometimes there's a player so irresistible, Trent Dilfer, <laughs> that uh, they'll go off script a little bit and go, well, we never saw him falling here. Hell, we got to take him, you know? I think O.J. Howard was that guy. I don't think they went into that draft – um, necessarily looking for O.J. Howard, but there he was at 19. It was like, well, hell, you know, um, well, let's draft the kid. And it was a good choice. And even though they had Cam Brayton and had some other tight ends at the time, they they went and got the best player available, and they, they, they could have waited and gotten Dalvin Cook, who was probably a bigger need at that time. But uh, he, he fell down, and, and, um, and they took they took O.J. So it's, it's not 100%, but with this draft, there's enough – elite tackles guys that'll go in the first round probably five at least um that the bucks could sell you and me and everybody else that yep yep he was the next guy on our board the exception to that would be if there was a defensive tackle or a rush end that they deem um so extraordinary that they would then pass on the fourth or fifth offensive lineman and take him instead um, you know, Javon Kenlaw, for example, a South Carolina defensive tackle, that if you put him next to Vita Vea for the next five or six years, uh, knowing Indomitian Sue's on a one-year deal and he's 33 years old, yeah, you may have really helped your football team there. You know, you, you might be able to find someone else in the second round and, and a veteran that can help you, you know, fill out your offensive line, but I can't pass on this guy because he's going to make six Pro Bowls. Like, if you if you have a conviction about a defensive player – uh, or even a running back, and I don't, I have an ass, so I don't know. But like, let's say you thought, you know what, we need an every down back that will help Tom Brady in protection because he'll be able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And and Jonathan Taylor is Saquon Barkley, but he's going to be standing there facing us. A guy that had six thousand yards in college. He's a ten on a ten uh, on the uh, character scale, and he can catch the ball like a wide receiver. We can't pass on a talent like Jonathan Taylor at fourteen, and then you take a running back. So. Anything can happen. I haven't seen their board. They never let me see their board. Um, but but I would say, I'd bet a dollar to a donut anyway, that you know, with the 14th pick, with the 14th pick in the NFL draft, the Buccaneers select, you're going to hear tackle somewhere along the line. I think. I really do think that they've all but advertised it. Because they didn't address it in the offseason. I mean, I know they got a guy that's a swing guy um, from Indianapolis. He can play all five positions, but um, without re-signing DeMar Dotson, um, uh, you know, which they could still do. But uh, I, I really think they're going to get an offensive tackle, especially with Brady in here. All right, Brian asked, Bruce Arians was candid in saying he had eight quarterbacks they were gathering tape and info on. Who do you think you suppose the eight were? 
Additionally, he was very candid in saying Brady, then Bridgewater as his top targets. How would three through eight fall? Hmm. Well, it's going to be Brady Bridgewater. Um, he said Jameis. I don't know if that's one of the eight, but you know that's what Arians has said that Jameis was third. Uh, I think Philip Rivers would have been probably right there with Jameis. Um, you know, you also have to consider that there were quarterbacks. I think that you would do work on in anticipation of them maybe becoming free agents, like a Cam Newton. Okay, so Cam would be in that picture. Um, you know, you would have Andy Dalton in that picture because, uh, you know, they're going to draft. Uh, we'll draft Joe Burrow, the, the Tiger King. They'll draft Joe Burrow. Unless, unless Miami trades, Cincinnati. like, you know, three number ones for it. Exactly. But but in any case, yeah, okay. Well, Would you trade three but number then I ones think for they a dropped it. I, not if I'm Cincinnati. Not if I'm Cincinnati. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I mean, it'd be tempting, but. My thing is, if you got the guy, you if you don't like him, mm-hmm. you know, then trade out. But like, if if you like Andy Dalton, and and a lot of people do, why is every why is somebody willing? The first question I always ask is, why are teams willing to give me all this draft capital for the guy that I don't want? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe no, we should no, put they're, on. The, they're talking about Miami yeah. may trade three number ones to get the number one pick to get Burrow. That's but that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, if you're Cincinnati, why do you make well, that deal? Well, Cincinnati, if then you could take Herbert at five or. Two at five. If you or, liked Herbert, if you yeah. if you decided if you decided that there wasn't a big gap between some other quarterback that you could get later, uh, and Andrew Burrow, I, I I would do it, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I I've heard it. I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. It's and and look, they're the Bengals, so they're unpredictable in that sense, right? I mean, they, they the fan base would probably revolt. Wouldn't you though? I mean, they're all in on Burrow, who's and also look, an Ohio kid, so that that helps too. He's Ohio kid, but there are some. And you know, Burrow said has said some things about leverage or whatever. But there there are some people, Colin Coward for one. Um, and I don't know if you listen to his show, but but there mm-hmm. are some people that think that you know what it, he had, he had a great year. Yep. He had one year. Yep. It, he's not a great quarterback. He had a great year. Look at all the talent he had. The SEC was down. Alabama lost to a. Um, you know, now he was a highly recruited. A, I mean, he it wasn't like he was a two star recruit that all of a sudden ended up having a great senior year. He was always considered a good prospect, or you know, in, you know, college. Oh yeah, he went to Ohio yeah. State. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five star guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he he has talent. There's no doubt. He had, the talent is there, but is he really a great quarterback? Is he gonna? Is he? Is he? Is he gonna be? You know, one of the great Drew Brees. Like, who is he? Like, is he gonna be one of these mm-hmm. guys? So there's 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 and, and with all these guys, right? I mean, the other thing yep. you realize is that the best players go to the worst teams. It's a dependent position. If you don't have talent around him, he's not going to look like he did at LSU, which had the most talent in the country. And um, and then we'll see. So yeah, I mean, I could see where where a a team, maybe the Bengals especially, would would think that you know there's not a big difference between him and Herbert or him and somebody else and then say we'll take the three picks and make our team better. Or you take Tua and, and keep Dalton for this year to start. Tua's the backup. Mm-hmm. Tua's a backup, yeah. Because I, th- I think whoever takes Tua ought to have a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks like he's moving around pretty well, but I wouldn't be in a hurry to play him. I'd redshirt yeah. him as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, any of that's possible. But um, but going back to, you know, like yep. we got on this subject, because who are the other guys? Well, I think – you know, I think Brady, I think uh, I think Bridgewater, Phillips, 
uh, Philip Rivers, uh, I'm sorry, um, Cam, uh, Andy Dalton. How about this one? How about um, how about uh, Derek Carr? Mm-hmm. You know, you would do work on Derek Carr. You might do work, and I, I'm not saying they would ever take this guy as a starter, but, you know, John Gruden did work on Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Look, it was a, it well, a star Tannehill, studded. too, because he was going to be a free agent. Ryan Tannehill was a free agent. So there's there's seven or eight or nine or ten right there. Um, what about Mitch Trubisky? You, well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the Bears gave any illusions of cutting him, but, but well, perhaps. Well, there was talk of them signing lots of guys, so yeah, he might have maybe been available. Him. Yeah, so, they, I mean, look, they, they, they look under rocks for these guys. They look for anybody that might might be available through trade or draft or, or through free agency, I'm sorry, and, um, and all those names would have been on there. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, rooting for UF ask. Was the desire for approval the biggest downfall for Jameis Winston? It seems the Bucks have long needed accountability between the lines. Did Winston want to be liked so much that he didn't hold guys accountable for mistakes? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know his desire for approval. I mean, I will say what I've been told about Jameis for people that have worked with him is that he is, in fact, a people pleaser. Um, and what I mean by that, if – Whoever the last guy asked him to try to do it this way, like, you know, whether it was Lovey Smith or Dirk Cutter um, or, you know, Bruce Arians uh, or Byron Leftwich, he's always going to want to try to please people. He's, he's a people pleaser. He's going to try to do it. He's going to try to do what they ask him to do, um, what good or bad or indifferent. Um, so he, he did want the approval that way. He wanted to – he was coachable. He wanted to be coached hard. He wanted to try to do it their way and um didn't mean didn't mean that he executed it very well some guys just have bad habits and and you know kind of go off on their own um but i as as far as accountability i I think you know the position of quarterback sort of puts you in that role okay you're the only one that's going to talk in the huddle you're the only one that's going to get a podium after the game and talk so it, it's a position of authority, and, and, and that comes with it, accountability. You know, as far as, like, are you going to grab a receiver, you know, by the face mask and tell him he didn't run a good route and he better not do that again and be real demonstrative? That just wasn't really Jameis's way. I think if he did that, people would see through it. It would be kind of phony. Uh, you know, he's got lots of fire, and it's very obvious. It's, he's demonstrative out there. You know, he wants to win at all costs. He'll do anything to win. But – he was also a great teammate, and this goes back to the people pleaser part. You know, he understood that, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit, that if a receiver ran a bad route and he threw the ball where it was supposed to go and it got picked off because Steber just didn't do what he was supposed to do. Jameis was never going to call out one of those guys. He was never going to stand up there and say, you know what, uh, Mike, Mike was supposed to have inside leverage. He went outside. I threw it inside. It was a miscommunication. It's really on him. I threw the ball. He was never going to do that. 
And why? Well, because he makes mistakes too. In fact, he's more prone to make them than they are because he has the ball more often. And so, you know, those guys go up and they make a hell of a lot of plays for him. And they, you know, they dive to the turf, turf and they, they expose their body. You're asking them to put themselves in harm's way at times. And so he's not going to, you know, hang someone out to dry simply to, to, to make himself look better. And I thought Jameis did a really good job of that. Now, behind closed doors, I'm sure he didn't have any trouble telling them what he thought of what just happened. You know, uh, I'm sure he had an explanation for things, and I'm sure he pointed out to them, hey, you know, you, you did this. You were supposed to do that. I threw the ball here. We can't do that. You know, you've got to be on your game. I'm sure that those conversations took place. He just wouldn't let us see that. And I thought that was a good quality of, of his. You know, and until you – like Tom Brady can do it. You know, Dan Marino could do it. I mean, those guys, after a while, when they won enough, you can do anything you want. But I, I don't think Jameis ever felt comfortable. I don't think it was his nature to begin with. And, and I also don't think that he had enough stripes other than playing the position of quarterback that, um, you know, that, that you could really dig into somebody – uh, you know, that was out there busting their butts. And that's the other thing. He got good effort. You know, there wasn't a lot of divas. You know, at times, Deshaun Jackson maybe, um, you know, might have been falling into that category. But Deshaun had accomplished so much in the league that Jameis respected him. So th- that's even hard then, too. But I know he had plenty of talks with his receivers, you know, away from the podium uh, or away from the football field. But he never, he never showed anybody up uh, like that. Uh, I just would caution you in saying he didn't hold him accountable because I think he did. All right, we'll switch gears a little bit. But Steve asks, what do you think the NHL should do once they are able to resume playing? Should they just cancel the rest of the season, pick up at the playoffs, or do a limited playoffs, et cetera? I doubt they would able to be able to resume play until June at the earliest. Yeah, you know, I'm, I've heard a lot of different things. I'm sure you had too, Steve. I, I would think that they would go pretty quickly into the playoffs, if not directly, after whatever warm-ups they have to do or, or you know, a week or whatever it takes for those guys to get together and, and get their legs back and get to, you know, get to the, the hockey field. But there's not much sense to me this far down the road in trying to play off any part of the remaining schedule. I think there's enough games that have been played you could establish who the playoff teams were and were not. Um Aside from that, um, you know, I mean, I don't know when they're going to play. I guess if you went late enough, okay, and say you finished not in June but in July. Well, we know the the NHL has asked arenas their dates into August. We know that. Yeah, so if you got into August, what you would do then, and correct me if I'm wrong, rather than start the next season where you normally would in October, you just push that back. Most and likely have a shorter season, but the NHL has said they want to preserve next season at all costs. Yeah, in they, total, though, well, like that it, doesn't it mean a, it doesn't start late. Season? It doesn't mean it doesn't start late, but they don't want to go less than eighty-two games next year. They don't. They want to make sure they can. They've said they want so to make sure that's a full season. They, they really want to do a Stanley Cup this year, but they want to make mm. sure that they play a full season next year. Now, if it starts in November instead of October, and you cut out the bye weeks and the All Star game, and you know the playoffs go a little later next year, that may be acceptable to them. Okay, but they have made you it have clear to do that something. They want to. Yeah. They want to maintain the integrity of next season. That doesn't mean it has to start October fifth, sixth, whatever the date would be. But they do want to play. They don't want to shorten next season to get a Stanley Cup in this year, is what they've said. Yeah, you'd have to do something to uh, to account for that. But um, look, 
I hope they get to play. It's a shame, though. You know, again, the Lightning um, after they won the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup had their season canceled. Um, after they were the President's Trophy winners and got eliminated, they could end up having their season canceled. So, I mean, I thought for really years it's easier for the NBA than the NHL. But a few years ago, when the NBA had their lockout and then they resumed and started on Christmas Day, the publicity and all that was huge. Part of it just the NBA being back. But I think an NBA season starting on Christmas Day, which they've owned in the media for years, starting Christmas Day and end your playoffs in August is a better season than starting in October and ending in June because you're out of the NFL window, essentially. You get the Christmas push the first month you're in the playoffs, but after that, you're out of that. The NFL is king on TV, king for ratings, king for advertising, et cetera, that you know, for the NBA, it would be better to start that season in December and go to August. Now, NHL becomes harder because you're trying to keep ice cool. And, and in the summer months in, in several buildings, that's very tough. It's, it's tough here in Tampa in the playoffs, and they have to do some extra stuff when, the, you know, when they got to the Stanley Cup a few years ago in 2015 here. But, you know, so it's harder for the NHL, but I've always thought the NBA that that would be a better season for them than doing what they do now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. It, it's – I just hope there's hockey. I really do. And whenever they decide to resume it, uh, I'm 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 going to be excited to see them play. Let Let's hope we get this done. Let's hope they can play before fans. That would be a shame as well. Um, we're in the We're in the unknown world right now. We just we don't have any answers. Less asked, Rick. How happy are the Astros that the start of the season got delayed? I'm thinking by the time the season starts, everyone will be so happy to have baseball back. This cheating thing won't be frontline news anymore. So COVID nineteen saved the Astros. Hmm. Well, the Astros are so good at picking up signs. They know when the season is going to begin before any of us will, apparently. Uh, but I, I, look, I I think that uh, you know who won't forget are the players. <laughs> um, somebody's going to go out there and realize that they got the hell lit up last time they saw these guys, and it won't, you know, the, the pandemic won't matter. Um, but yeah, in as much as it's they're out, they got out of the news cycle, sure, that was that was good timing for them. I think people will be so focused on just baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Opening day, whenever that occurs, that that will be a bigger story, right? It'll be a bigger story than the NFL season. The Super Bowl mm-hmm. will, will be, you know, Eureka uh, celebration of football after right. our long nightmare. So, uh, and it's global. It's you know, this is not just affecting the United States clearly. So. You know, yeah, um, probably would would have preferred it didn't happen this way. <laughs> um, well, we but, do we do know that Manfred the other day on ESPN said that the Red Sox report or the investigation is done. It's the yeah. report's not done. He says we've been dealing with other stuff. We don't have the report done. The investigation is done, but it will be that investigation report will be released before they resume play. So mm-hmm. while the, you know maybe the Astros aren't in the news now, they'll be back in the news as the Red Sox investigations unveiled and whatever punishments they're getting as well. Mm-hmm. Again, boy, can you just imagine? I, I miss, probably miss baseball because we're in the offseason with football. But, but and, and I, you know, I was a March Madness guy, and, and I love hockey, of course, but probably missed opening day more than anything this, out of this whole, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, baseball opening day, is just, it's just special. We'll wrap it up on this. And John says, college football is in a really tough spot. What I believe will happen is that some states will have much tighter restrictions on social distancing than others until summer. If the SEC states aren't as restrictive but the Pac-12 ones are, do they cancel all or just some games? 
Um, it's a great question. I, I, I would think just off the top of my head, um, much like the kickoff classics and some of these things that occur even during the season, they would try to find as many neutral sites as they could. Um, that's not to say it would be easy, but you know, you do have big arenas all throughout the country that host football games. Um, some uh, are, are more more booked than others uh, when they're not doing the NFL, but um, you know, a, a Saturday at Jerry World, uh, you know, or Mercedes Benz Stadium. I mean. Uh, you you could do some things throughout the southeast, the Midwest, the West, at some neutral sites, and they do that in bowl games. I, I could I could see that occurring. Um, it was not ideal. None of this is ideal, of course. And there's got to be revenue considerations for some of this. But the biggest thing is TV. You want the games to be played. You want to be able to to you know to uh, to honor those contracts and and to have college football. And if that's the way you have to do it, I think they would they would work it out. All right, some great questions. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Tomorrow we'll have Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times to uh, talk about sort of how the world was changed, just what we were talking about with college football, basketball, um, all of it, and, and, of course, a lot of events that were taken away from Tampa Bay and the impact of that and what it might mean for the Super Bowl as well. So Matt Baker tomorrow on the big show. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 